Hello, everyone. I've got a question for you. What is the UK's favourite book? What do you think? Any idea? Well, according to a BBC survey, it is The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, which I'm sure that you know from the film versions, of course, by Peter Jackson. But in my opinion, the books are far more rewarding and exciting. And that includes the audiobook version, which is an absolute classic. Some of you I know have probably read the book in English, but listening to the audiobook version can bring a new sort of enjoyment to the story. The narration by Bob Inglis has been praised as a masterpiece of audio. And all three parts of this classic work of fantasy literature are available from audible.com. If you'd like to download it free, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke to start a 30-day trial membership. Uh, your first audiobook download is free of charge. You could start with The Fellowship of the Ring, the dramatic and atmospheric first part of the Lord of the Rings series. I'll tell you more about the UK's favourite books in the future, but now let's get on with this episode. Here we go. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, welcome to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. If you're new to Luke's English Podcast, then you should probably know that this is a long-running podcast for learners of English. The idea is that I provide you with regular content to help you improve your English. My intention is to give you listening material that's not only good for your English, but also is a pleasant and fun experience to listen to. Check out teacherluke.co.uk, where you can add your email address to the mailing list for new episodes, or find my podcast on iTunes, where you can also subscribe to every new episode. Uh, There are lots of transcripts, discussion forums, videos, and all kinds of other stuff, uh, which can help you learn your English uh, at teacherluke.co.uk. UK, so check it out. If you're an old listener, then ahoy there! Welcome back to the Good Ship Luke's English Podcast. Um, I'm sitting in the Skypod again uh, to record another episode of this podcast, and this time I'm responding to more questions from my listeners. Uh, these are all questions that found their way to me via the discussion forum or as comments or emails. So this episode is uh, another Q&A, and this is, I believe, Q&A session number five. And we carry on where we left off last time, uh, and um, I'm, I'm responding to stuff that was sent to me um, over the last year. It's taken me that long to kind of get around to doing this, but I'm finally doing it. So some of these comments date back to something in the region of uh, June 2014, which is um, just under a year ago. And the first comment that I have in this list, and I've got a very long list Uh, of stuff that I've collated from various places, like, as I said, the discussion forum or Twitter or whatever. Uh, I've got a very long list here, um, so I'm going to get through as much as I can in this episode, and then I expect there'll be more Q&A sessions coming up in the future. Um, Don't forget, you can leave your comments and questions um, on the website. Just leave your comments there publicly, or if you want to send me an email, just click on the contact button in the menu on my site, and then there are several ways to email me there uh, through my website. Um, So let's begin with the first question. This one is from um, a user called A Spoonful of Mustard. And uh, in Q&A session number four, we had uh, a question from this person. Um, So A Spoonful of Mustard on the 13th of June last year uh, wrote this uh, question, which is a sort of 
oh, what is it? A sort of semantic question, maybe a question about um, how we use the how we use words in new situations, um, and um, how that sort of causes us some problems over uh, the way that we deal with vocabulary. Um, so anyway, here is the, the question from A Spoonful of Mustard. It goes like this. Hello, Luke. Uh, this particular question has been bothering me for donkey's years. Even though it may sound a bit silly, I would be most grateful should you answer it seriously. Let me put you in the picture. Essentially, the question stems from a sci-fi film I watched a couple of years ago. Uh, a part of the plot is set on a planet that orbits three stars in a solar system a zillion light years away from Earth. Um, at some point in the film, a bunch of fugitive inmates uh, get stranded on the desert on the deserted surface of this remote planet. By and by, the presence of the three stars in the sky dawns, literally and figuratively, on the gang. And one of them yells out, unconvincingly, acting-wise, it's got three suns! This particular usage of the word sun baffles me. Even though it is crystal clear what the protagonist means, it seems to me that he should have said, it's got three stars! Since sun is the name of the star that the Earth goes around. So on, one on the other hand, another question comes up. If you were on a planet in a different solar system, could you get a suntan or indeed go sunbathing? Could you enjoy watching awe -inspiring, uh, an awe-inspiring sunrise over there? Or would you have to resort to relishing observing Alpha Centauri rise or something of the same sort? Based on your expert knowledge, what do you think of all this? All the best, a spoonful of mustard. Well, that is a very interesting question, and it's a sort of... Um, a bit of a problem, isn't it, that? Because um, since we haven't spent much time on other planets, it's not really a, a question that we've had to deal with. Um, let me give you my answer, though. So, uh, well, hold on. Does everyone understand the question? Do you all understand the question? So, on Earth, of course, we have... Uh, the Earth is part of our solar system. Uh, all of our planets orbit the sun. We call it the sun. Now, in fact, it's a star, just like all the millions of other stars there are in the universe. Um, all of those lights that you can see... Sh well, most of the lights that you can see shining in the night sky, those stars, they are basically like suns. Um, and uh, our sun is a star, and we just happen to be orbiting that one. We call it the sun, but in fact there are millions of suns all over the universe. Um, so uh, if we travel to another universe, would it be fair to call that star... <laughs> would it, if you were on another planet orbiting another star, would it be fair to call it the sun? Okay, so... There's the sun, which is our sun, and then can you use the word sun to refer to other suns as well? All right. Well, let me try and give you my uh, response to this. So, uh, can we call the stars orbited by other planets in the universe suns? Well, yes, I think we can. I would say that a star being orbited by planets is a sun. Okay? Uh, we call our sun the sun because for us it's the only one. Um, we know there are others, but this is the main one for us. It's a bit like saying, let's go to the pub. Okay, let's go to the pub. Here we mean our local pub, the one that we live near to, or the one that we live near. Any pub can be the pub 
it just depends where you live or where you are at that time. So if you live near the King's Head, for example, then that's the pub. If you live near the Golden Lion, then that's the pub. So let's go to the pub. So the pub is just uh, whichever pub is your local pub, all right? Now, similarly, if you live on Earth, then the star at the centre of our solar system is the sun. But I would say that if you live on another planet in another solar system, uh, and if you do live on another planet in another solar system, then please leave a comment on the website because I'd love to hear from you. Um, Anyway, if you do live on another planet in another solar system, then I think it's fair to say that you could call your local star the sun too. Or perhaps even our sun, or suns, if there are several. So look at the sun, just means look at our local sun. Uh, But if you were on another planet, and that planet orbited a star, I think it would be fair to call that a sun as well, and you can go sunbathing. Um, So there you go, there's my answer, I think it's fine. So that dodgy science fiction movie you saw where they said, uh, it's got three suns, I think it's perfectly okay to say that. Because a sun is basically a star being orbited by by planets all right um luckily i don't think this is a something that's troubling many of you listening to this i doubt that this is a problem that you're faced on a daily basis but who knows maybe you are uh, a space explorer and uh, you've just been waiting for years for me to deal with this question so that you know exactly how to refer to that huge burning ball of gas or whatever it is that you can see in the sky so go ahead call it the sun even if it's not our original sun i think it's still okay to call it the sun all right does that answer your question right good now let's go to the pub um all right so next question this one is from anonymous uh didn't leave their name on the 26th of April 2015. So this is a for a more recent one. And this was in the comments section of my website. And it's a question about the difference between can and can't. Okay, um, can and can't. Um, so the anonymous says, personally, I've, I found this extremely difficult to catch. I hope that this can help somebody. And he left um, a, a link to a video, a good video, Uh, by an English teacher who's looking at the difference between can and can't. So the question is, what's the difference in the pronunciation between can and can't? Very good question. A really, really good question. Can and can't, obviously, these are really sort of basic words that we use all the time. Um, We use them every day. They're like extremely common words um, and very important words. So yes, we need to know how they are actually pronounced by native speakers of English. Um, I think there are a few points to deal with for this question. Also, there are several ways of saying the word can, depending on which side of the Atlantic you're on. There's the British way, and then there's the wrong way. Uh, That was a joke. Okay, did you get that? There's the British way, and then there's the wrong way. Ha ha ha, that was a joke. No, really, what I mean is that uh, there's the British way, and then there's the American way. Um, Americans and Brits say the words slightly differently. We'll come to that in a moment. What I'm dealing with here is the UK version of can and can't. So I've got about four points to make. Uh, The first point about this is that... uh, Let's look at the difference between the words when they're not in sentences. So just the words on their own, not as part of fluently spoken sentences. So we have can and can't. Um, So mainly it's about the vowel sound, isn't it? Can, that's an a sound. Can, which is a short vowel sound. Can, and then there's can't. 
which is an R sound, and that's a long vowel sound. So can and can't. Practice it. Can, can't. All right. Obviously, there there is a T sound. There's a T sound at the end of, of, of the negative, can't. Okay, so that's fairly clear. That's fairly easy to understand. But that can be a little bit misleading because, to be honest, we don't always say can and can't. Um, there are differences. So, for example, when the words are used in the middle of a sentence in a fluent way, when those words become sort of joined in with the rest of the sentence, then then they end up being a bit different. Firstly, there's the issue of the weak form of can with a schwa sound. You know, weak forms. Um, basically, let's say there are sort of Certainly with verbs, you've got meaning verbs or main verbs, and you also have the, like, the grammar verbs, the ones that help with the grammar, and we call those auxiliary verbs. So the, uh, the meaning verbs tend to be pronounced a bit more clearly or fully, and the little grammar auxiliary verbs that help us construct the sentence, they might not, if they're not emphasised, then they'll, produce, they'll be pronounced with a slightly weak sound, and that includes can. Um, so... Um, let's have a look at the way that the, the, the word can and the word can't can be pronounced in, in sort of weak uh, forms. Um, so the issue of the weak form of can with a schwa sound and also can't with the T sound disappearing, making it sound a bit like car. So let's look at the weak form of can first of all. For example, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. No problem. Okay, um, you know, can you um, can you take that for me? Can you can you take that for me? Can okay. So here, can actually sounds like can because it's got that schwa sound uh, as a vowel sound in the middle. Can um, all right? Can you do that? Yes, I can do that. No problem. I can do it later. For example, um, now in can't um, in a fluent sort of full sentence, you get the elision of the T sound or T sound. Um, so, sorry, I can't do that. No, I've, I've, I'm re I really can't do it today. Sorry, I can't do it. Okay, so it's not I can't do it, but I can't do it. I can't do that right now. Sorry. I can't see it. I can't wait. I can't wait. Not I can't wait, but I can't wait. So in all of those, I can't do it, I can't see it, I can't wait. Uh, in all of those examples, the t in can't disappears, doesn't it? Now, it's quite normal for t and d sounds to be lost when they're followed by another t or d sound, or maybe another consonant. But it's, it's not just then. Frankly, t sounds or t sounds are, are often dropped in fluent speech. Sorry, I can't, I can't eat it. I can't eat it. So there we see can't followed by a vowel in eat, but can't has been, the t has been dropped there as well. I can't eat it. So it's not just when can't is followed by a t or d sound, but also it's just when can't is in a fluent sentence. I can't eat it. You're following this? Okay, so basically can and can't sound alarmingly similar in some cases, but they are not the same. Uh, I can't eat it. I can't eat it. Can't. And I can eat it. I can eat it. I can't eat it. 
can and can't. So certainly the main thing is the is the length of the vowel sound. You might not be able to hear the t at the end, but certainly the length of the vowel sound is is significant, don't you think? Uh, I can do it. I can't do it. I can do it. I can't do it. An an. Okay. Um, negative speakers can identify the difference. There is a difference, all right? There is a difference between can and can't uh, in fluent sentences. It's not telepathy between native speakers. It's not some sort of secret telepathy that we're not telling learners of English about, although it can appear that way sometimes. Um, context might help as well. Sometimes perhaps we are using context to, to help us understand if it's positive or negative, like the tone of the voice or the body language, or just the general meaning of the sentence being used. Uh, the key thing really, though, is that the vowel sound in can't is still long. I can meet you at three. It's positive. I can't meet you at three. Can you... There's, there also is a slight difference in intonation in, in those two. We start with the positive version. Yeah, I can meet you at three. I can meet you at three. And I can't meet you at three. I can't... No, 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 no. That's negative. No, 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 no. Positive. I can meet you at three. Yeah, that's no problem. I can meet you then. I can mean it's positive and that's negative, isn't it? I can't meet you at three. Sorry, there's really nothing I can do about it. I'm afraid that uh, I just I can't meet you then. How about tomorrow, for example? Oh, I can meet you at three. Okay, where should we meet? Positive. Negative. Positive. Negative. <laughs> Can you hear the difference? Um, let's have a listen to some sentences. I want you to. I want you to identify if I'm saying can or can't, positive or negative. So sometimes my intonation or some other words might help. You can also repeat the sentences after me. So it's basically: is it can or can't? Let's go. Sentence A. Um, I can be there earlier if you need me to. I can be there earlier if you need me to. It's positive, isn't it? I can be there earlier if you need me to. Can you repeat it? Um, I can be there earlier if... No, don't repeat that. I can be there earlier if you need me to. Which is like saying, do you need me to be there earlier? Because if you do, I, I'm available. I can be there earlier if you need me to. Okay. Sentence B. I just can't work this one out. I just can't work this one out. I just can't work this one out. Now, I added the T there. I just can't work this one out. Meaning, I just don't understand this one, or I can't understand this one, or this one. You know, imagine if you're doing a series of exercises, maybe in an exam, you've got eight questions, and question two is, like, really difficult, and you... So, I understand all the others, but I just can't work this one out, meaning it's too difficult to solve the problem. I just can't work this one out. So, it's negative. Uh, sentence C. Um, I can just do it for you if you want. I can just do it for you if you want. Okay? I can just do it for you if you want. I can just do it for you if you want. So that's positive. Can. I can do it. I can just do it. Can you repeat that? With the intonation. I can just do it for you if you want. 
<laughs> I can just do it for you if you want. Now, if you let's have a look at the the intonation on that, because there are some questions in this uh, in this list I've got here that ask me about intonation, um, and we will come back to it in some more detail in this episode. But it's worth focusing a little bit on intonation because it might not be so obvious for you and also it's worth practicing it a bit so what i want to do is exaggerate let's really really exaggerate the intonation in this sentence um, i want you to listen to me exaggerating it and then i want you to exaggerate it too uh, obviously if you're in public um it might seem a bit weird that you're speaking to yourself if you do this, but uh, if you're in a position where you can say it, or even just say it in your head, if if you can't actually say it out loud because it would be weird, uh, try and repeat it. Okay, I can I can just do it for you if you want. I can just do it for you if you want. I can just do it for you if you want. Want. I can just do it for you if you want. I can just do it for you if you want. All right. <laughs> Hear the, the melody in that? There is a lot of melody in English. Our intonation goes up and down a lot. I can just do it for you if you want. Now, I is a sort of tonic stress in that sentence because I think I is the emphasis. Like someone is maybe, what's the situation? Someone is struggling to do something. Like someone is trying to um, maybe do something on their computer and they're having a bad time, they don't understand it. And you suggest that you could do it. So I can just do it for you if you want. Okay. Um, Sometimes different words can be stressed and that affects the meaning. I can just do it for you if you want. Uh, I I can just do it for you if you want. That can affect the, the meaning. Anyway, um, let's go on to the next sentence, sentence D. Um, you can just take the bus. It's much easier. You can just take the bus. It's much easier. You can just take the bus. It's much easier. Okay, so maybe someone's saying, oh, I don't know how to get home. How do I, shall I get the train? Shall I get a bicycle? No, it's all right. You can just take the bus. It's much easier. Okay, obviously it's positive. Uh, that's can, but it sounds like can. You can just take the bus. Can you repeat it? You can just take the bus. It's much easier. You can just take the bus. It's much easier. You can just take the bus. It's much easier. Okay. Moving on to sentence E in this list. The list goes up to I. So we've got A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I. That's nine. Uh, and we're on E. Um, here we go. Uh, um, he can't get any reception in this room, so he's going to use the landline. He can't get any... <clears throat> oh, my goodness. He can't get any reception in this room, so he's going to use the landline. He can't get any reception in this room, so... Oh, wait a minute. He can't get any reception in his room, so he's going to use the landline. He can't get any reception in his room, so he's going to use the landline. The landline, that's like a telephone that's connected to the house or the apartment. Okay? 
uh, you've got a mobile phone and then you have the landline, you know, the old-fashioned type of telephones that are connected to the house, to the apartment. Um, he can't get any reception in his room. To get reception, that's when you get signal on your phone. You know, on your phone you get the bars that show you uh, how much re reception or signal you have available to you. We call it reception. Okay. He can't get any reception in his room. That means that uh, it's, it's too difficult for him to... There's no sig mobile phone signal. All right? He can't get any reception in his room. Moving on to the next one, F. Uh, they can just download it and stick it on the laptop. They can just download it and stick it on the laptop. So they have can, again, um, it's positive. They can just download it. Repeat it, please. They can just download it and stick it on the laptop. <laughs> Uh, G, you can't help me with this, can you? You can't help me with this, can you? Huh. You can't help me with this, can you? So we start with can't, it's obviously negative, and then there's a can in there as well, which is slightly emphasised, so it's not a schwa sound. Uh, you, you can't help me with this, can you? Can is emphasised, that's why it's not can. You can't help me with, it's not like this, you can't help me with this, can you? Maybe someone might say that, but I'm saying, you can't help me with this, can you? Okay, so can is pronounced fully, but can't is still that sort of weak form without strong T sound. I can't stop thinking about last night. I just can't stop thinking about last night. So it's negative. Can you repeat it? I can't stop thinking about last night. Uh, what happened last night? That's the question. Um... I, this is the last sentence in this exercise, um, it can be, uh, wait a minute, it can be a bit difficult to hear the difference between can and can't sometimes. Can't it? <laughs> All right. Uh, it can be a bit difficult to hear the difference between can and can't sometimes, can't it? So the, the first one is positive. It can be a bit difficult to hear the difference between can and can't sometimes, can't it? The others there are not uh, weak forms. They're sort of full forms, can and can't, and then can't it as well. Um, okay, so that's just a few exercises. Um, in terms of American English, um, you might hear some differences. So can, maybe can uh, and can't. Can and can't. Um, I can, I, I can, wait a minute, let me read some of these in an American accent. I can be there earlier, okay, I just can't work this one out. I just can't, can't. Now, in English, can't. In, in America, can't, okay? I can, I can just do it for you if you want. I can, so can, I think, is similar to the way that we say it in the UK, but in America, can't sounds like can't. Can't and can't. So there's a difference between American English and British English. American can't and British English can't or can't. All right, I hope that answers your question. Let's move on to the next one. I feel like uh, from um, I feel like I should sort of make sure that you're not falling asleep. How am I going to do that? I feel like I should do something. Uh, I feel like I should do something to um, uh, keep your attention up. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do to keep your attention up. So I downloaded this um, this app on my phone. I was just fooling around on the internet and I came across this app. And um, uh, basically...
well, that's a little bit of it. Basically, the the point is that it it's like an automatic rap app, and it's pretty clever, and it's just a bit of fun. The point is that you can just talk into it. You record yourself talking for a couple of minutes, and then it automatically turns you into a rapper. So I'm going to do like a sort of Luke's English podcast rap. You'll hear me just saying a few things, nothing particularly meaningful, and then we're going to see what the app can do to turn me into a, a rapper. Okay, here we go. So I'm recording it now. You're listening to Luke's English podcast, perhaps the uh, greatest podcast on the internet, but obviously that sounds a little bit arrogant to say it. This is going to be the greatest rap track that you've ever heard, and that's a fact. Now, let's get back to the the main facts here, and that is that I'm teaching you some English, useful English that you can go out and use in your daily life. We're talking about phrasal verbs, idioms, and common questions that learners of English might have about English as a foreign language. So, that's the end of my rap. I hope you've liked it. Um, I'm not a particularly good rapper. I don't, I'm not cool enough, uh, but anyway, I've given it my best shot. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks. Bye, 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 bye. All right, so I've done it. Um, do you want to hear it? Do you want to hear the uh, the, the remixed version of, of that fairly uh, unimpressive paragraph? Here it is. So I'm recording it now. You're listening to Luke's English podcast. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. So I'm recording it now. You're listening to Luke's English podcast. Perhaps, perhaps. So I'm recording it now. You're listening to Luke's English podcast. Perhaps the uh, greatest podcast on the internet. But obviously, that's that sounds a little bit arrogant to say. This is going to be the greatest rap track that you've ever heard, and that's a fact. Now let's get back to the main facts here, and that is that I'm teaching you some English, useful English that you can go and use in your daily life. We're talking about phrasal verbs, idioms, and and common questions that learners of English might have about English as as a foreign language. So that's the end of my rap. I hope you've liked it. Uh, I'm not a particularly good rapper. I don't. I'm not cool enough. Uh, but anyway, I've given it my best shot. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. 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 bye, bye, bye. So I'm recording now. You're listening to Luke's English podcast. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. So I'm recording now. You're listening to Luke's English podcast. Perhaps, perhaps. So I'm recording now. You're listening to Luke's English podcast. Perhaps the uh, greatest podcast on the internet. But obviously, that's that sounds a little bit arrogant to say. This is going to be the greatest rap track that you've ever heard, and that's a fact. Now let's get back to the, the main facts here, and that is that I'm teaching you some English, useful English. Okay, uh, what do you think of that? It's, you know, quite fun, isn't it? You can download that app. Um, let me tell you what it's called. Okay, so it's called Auto Wrap, and it's probably available on the App Store and uh, the Google Play Store and all that sort of thing. So check it out if you want. It's quite good fun to play around with Auto Wrap. Um, anyway, so let's move on to the next um, question here. This one's from Daniel, and it was posted in the discussion forum on the 13th of June um, in 2014, and it goes like this. Hello, Luke. First of all, I want to say I regard your work with podcasts as the best I've ever seen for ESL learners so far. You show a 100% spontaneous conversation in English that supports listening skills a lot. Thanks, mate. Wow, that's nice. Thanks a lot, Daniel. I really appreciate that. Um, now, getting back to my question for you, I have to tell you that I'm trying to learn how to speak with auth- with an authentic British accent, but it seems the process to me is becoming increasingly slow. I've been a self-taught. Uh, I've been self-taught for more than two years. Um, 
In fact, I want to sound like you. And so that, at the moment, I try to mimic you by memorising what you say and then repeating that as many times as possible. Um, am I in the right technique? I'm not so sure about that. I'd like some guidance from you as regards the pronunciation learning. So here's my here are my questions. Um, okay. And let's see what those questions are. Um, how could somebody speed up the process of internalising the British accent? What method would you suggest to come near, faster and effectively to this accent? Um, okay, thanks in advance for your attention. Wow. Well, okay, this kind of relates to the question from Edgar that we heard in um, the Q&A session number four. So let's say that you've decided to learn to speak with a British accent and I imagine that we're talking about standard received pronunciation here, which is like, that's basically the accent that I have. Standard received pronunciation, or RP. I suppose that's what you're talking about, because there are many different British accents, of course, as you know, depending on which region you're in. But uh, my accent is, let's say, let's call it received pronunciation, which is a form of um, um, British accent that doesn't have uh, regional uh, variations. It's sort of not based in any particular region, although it is associated pretty much with the sort of probably the southeast or maybe the universities. Anyway, uh, the BBC as well is sort of associated with that kind of thing. You know, some people call it BBC English, although the BBC has lots of different regional accents on it now too. Anyway, I uh, let's imagine that you've decided to to learn to speak with a British accent like mine. RP. So how can you do it? Well, here are some ideas, okay? Um, you could learn the, the phonemic script, okay? Because there are there, there is a, a, a script, a chart, which shows you all of the different sounds that we use in British English. And uh, this is the palette of English. These are all the available sounds to you. Once you learn all the sounds that are actually used in English, then you'll be able to identify and hopefully copy the sounds as they are used by people. So learning the phonemic script is a bit like learning the musical theory uh, for, for English. Then once you've learnt the phonemic script, you can then transcribe words and sentences in that phonemic script and then check in a dictionary. Um, just to, You check in the dictionary to see if you've transcribed the words correctly. So that's a sort of um, receptive skill. You listen to words that you hear uh, at, or just look at some words on a page and say them and then transcribe them in phonemic script. Then you can check them in a dictionary, see if your transcription is correct. It's just a good way of getting to know the sounds uh, that we actually use in English. Um, also, yes, I think you should be doing lots of listening and repetition. I think that's actually a very important thing. So you're you're wondering if it works because maybe you haven't sort of had the, the, the results that you've been looking for. But I think it's still a good idea. Um, there are other ways, though, that you can push it. I mean, you can use certain services. The BBC has a really great uh, page on the internet to help you with pronunciation. It's called, um, well, BBC Learning English, and then there's a, a pronunciation section. You can see a link to that on my website here. Basically, it's, it's a fairly long link. bbc.co.uk forward slash world service forward slash learning English forward slash grammar forward slash pron. Uh, that link will take you to the BBC's pronunciation page. You can find that link on the page for this episode of this podcast. So use their, uh, guide, their guidance because they've got exercises, interactive uh, exercises that will 
enable you to get a really familiar um, feeling with all of the different available sounds in English. Um, you can also use a mirror to see the way that you're pronouncing words and compare that to the videos on the BBC's pronunciation page. So if you just hold a mirror up in front of your mouth and you can actually see the way that you're pronouncing words, you can compare that to the close-up videos they have on the BBC's website. And then that's just a good way of like seeing you know, what you're actually doing with your mouth. Uh, are you aware of the position of your tongue, for example? Um, and... Uh, Realising these things, seeing these things might suddenly allow you to get more perspective on the way that the sounds and words are actually made and what you're doing. So don't just focus on the way it sounds, but focus on the physical side of the way it's the way these sounds are produced as well. Look at your mouth with a mirror. Check out the mouth of the speaker on the, the BBC's videos. Um, listen to loads of British English, of course, and just have fun trying to copy it. Think about things other than the vowel sounds. For example, you might need to think about intonation or certain phrases that are typical. Um, so, you know, vocabulary, rhythm, the attitude and mentality, the body language of English. All of these things can be tags to help you learn and to help you sort of get a grip on British English. It's not just isolating vowel sounds or something. It's also about somehow adopting the mannerisms and the culture of someone who speaks British English. Um, but again, the main thing, really, the main thing is that you speak clearly and that you are yourself. Don't try and fake it too much, except for fun. Uh, if possible, spend lots of time with British people, because humans are designed to adapt to be similar to those who are around us, if you just relax and let it happen. So spending time with British people is probably the best way. Just if, if you do, if you like having a drink, then go drinking with some British people. Um, you know, drinking a couple of beers can help you loosen up and then you're just in the zone. You're kind of in, in a natural zone where uh, normal human nature is helping you to acquire uh, more natural English. Now, if you can't do that, if you don't have access to British people, then obviously keep listening to Luke's English podcast because a lot of this is bound to rub off on you. Um, but try using some of the techniques that I've, I've just mentioned there um, that you should focus on the phonemic scripts and get to know that and then you can decode uh, the things you're hearing and you know work out the actual phonemes that are being used uh, and then that might allow you to practice saying words based on your more intimate knowledge of the phonemic script use a mirror use the bbc's pronunciation pages um try and relax and and just hang out with british people or and expose yourself to the, the to the language of uh you know english um and um and just, you know, stay positive, but also don't, you know, just realise that you just be yourself and just focus on being clear and making yourself understood. Um, I think that's, that should be our first concern rather than trying to sort of adopt a British accent. Just try and make yourself understood because ultimately, you know, just being yourself is the most powerful thing that you can do, I think. Um, all right. So next question is from Naz. This is June the 13th, 2014. We're still uh, in the discussion forum here. And Naz says, um, I just wanted to ask about my personal problem with English. I know many people have some problem with spoken English, but some of them are lazy and they don't study hard and they're often just 
just complaining. Okay. They, they, they're often just complaining. All right. But I'm not a lazy person. And every day I regularly try to study English. I've been living in London for two years. When I came here, I didn't know any English words except yes or no. I couldn't understand what people were talking about, but later I discovered your website and another amazing website like yours. I've been listening regularly to your podcasts. Now my English has evolved without taking any courses. It really helped me and I appreciate and I'm really grateful. Thank you very much for this selfless labour. Well, that's amazing. That's a story of success, isn't it? Incredible. This So, Naz, you never took an English course. You've just been listening to this podcast and another using another website. And you've, you've got to the standard that you are now. That's incredibly encouraging. That seems to show me that... I don't always realise, maybe, that it's true. You know, because I, I'm... I don't always realise how helpful it can be because, you know, I just sit here in this room that I'm calling the space pod or whatever and I do these recordings and I, you know, try and put my my enthusiasm into it and I send it out on the internet and I do get comments from people saying that it's great but it, it's, it's, it's amazing really to imagine that uh, it, Naz, it really has helped you. I'm sure it can't just be my website and the other website. I'm sure just living in London, you must have had to use English a lot. But anyway, it's, it's great. That's really good. Well done. You've done really, really well to go from virtually nothing at all to the standard that you've got now. Um, you should feel really proud of yourself. Um, but Naz continues and says, my problem is that I can't make a kind of self-confidence about speaking. My personality doesn't allow me to speak confidently. I can't say any words in English, especially while I'm in Turkish communities who are speaking very well. I'm a high perfectionist person and my subconscious is ordering me an excellent speech. I feel like I won't speak without having perfect fluent English and accent. I never will have this perfection, but I can't tell myself it somehow. Only for this reason, I missed many opportunities about my job in the UK, architecture. I wish I could see my life from a higher level. I'm sure you'll give me some advice about my issue. Thank you very much, Naz. Okay, Naz, well, let's let's po- focus on the positive here because you've done incredibly well to go from virtually nothing to have this to having this level of English that you can write this comment. It's pretty complicated stuff that you're getting across here. It's quite nuanced things that you're expressing. I mean, I get a sense of your sort of sense of desperation or or um, your sense of need for uh, being able to actually use your English and and you've communicated that to me very well so first of all your English is good all right Um, second thing is that um, I totally understand about not being able to speak confidently and uh, thinking to yourself I'm a perfectionist and I'm only only going to be satisfied if I can speak really well and until that time I'm not going to speak at all um Okay. Uh, Naz, I think it's not it's not quite as bad as you think. I think you're much closer to being able to speak um, good English confidently than you expect. All right. So here, here are my here are my responses. First of all, you've, you've got to stop judging yourself. Okay, just relax and try. Just relax and open your mouth and and make yourself understood because nobody starts perfect. No one starts from a perfect position. You have to fail before you can get to a satisfactory standard, okay? Also, people respect bravery. 
They do. People around you, if they see that you're being brave, they will respect you for it. Even if you make a fool of yourself by saying something wrong, which is unlikely, Naz, you're you're unlikely to make a genuine fool of yourself. What's the worst that you're going to do? You're going to use a slightly, slightly the wrong word, or you might construct a sentence slightly wrong. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Because everyone, all of those Turkish people around you, they were all in the same situation once. So don't be fooled by that. Don't think that they're somehow better than you because they speak better English than you. It's nothing to do with that. You can prove yourself to be just as good as them by being brave and by not being bothered by your mistakes. If you're not bothered by making mistakes, then no one else is going to care, frankly. The only reason that people will f- will care about it is if they see that you're ashamed of it. If you don't accept any shame, because there's no shame in learning English and, you know, the errors are a natural part of that process. There's no shame involved in it. I mean, I know how you feel because I'm in exactly the same situation in French. I get in situations where I need to, you know, speak French and I, I, it's like everything closes up. My mouth just shuts and my brain just shuts down. There's a block. I think it's a phenomenon that happens. I've been in France for two years. I get mentally blocked like that. Anything will will stop me and um you just gotta you just gotta crash through it you just have to try and get over it and uh determination motivation um and dedication these things are important don't give up all right learn from your learn from your mistakes and just carry on nobody's judging you that much you're too hard on yourself, Naz. People will, will respect you for making the effort. I've seen it time and time again in classes. As a teacher, I've seen it. I've seen students uh, making an effort, and those are the ones who get successful. And the ones who are too self-conscious and too worried about being judged and don't say anything, they don't make progress. So forget about you know uh, what people think. Um, in fact, people will think more of you if you make an effort and if you make mistakes, people will respect you because they'll see you're being brave and you're taking control of your learning. I'm guilty of it myself, as I said. Um, um, I'm guilty of not uh, being outgoing enough in, in French. But I know it's true. I know it's hard, but let's face it, you just got to try. Um, in in my classes, I've seen lots and lots of times students who, who progress and students who don't. Okay, Now, the ones that, that make progress are usually the ones who don't really care about making mistakes in front of everyone. Okay, They don't mind that much. They speak up. They take initiative. They make some mistakes. And not that many, really. I mean, there's, there are worse things in the world than making a mistake in a second language. So the, anyway, the ones that progress, they speak up, they make a few mistakes, and they improve, and they move up to the next class. Everyone respects them. Everyone looks up to these people. In fact, people feel jealous. They think it's, it's not fair. Some, some students think it's not fair that these students, uh, the, 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 the ones who make progress, uh, seem to make mistakes and, and, uh, and so on. Um, but the fact is, don't sit there and wait until your English is perfect and then speak because it will never happen. You need to get to a, a good level by speaking and making mistakes. There's no such thing as perfect. Okay, You're never going to reach it, to be honest with you. You're never going to get perfect because it doesn't exist. 
Everyone makes mistakes. Even native speakers have to think twice. Even native speakers have to, uh, you know, be very careful to make sure that they don't make mistakes. All right. So no one's perfect, and you will never get to perfect. So stop trying to achieve it. Just just try and do your best. And and uh, you see that that's liberating, isn't it? Um, so confidence. It's not a magic quality that only some people have. Okay, it's not your. Don't tell. Don't tell me that your personality means that you can't do it. Because really, that's an excuse. Okay, uh, confidence is not a magic quality that only a few people have. Everyone can be confident. Okay, um, it's just about having priorities. You got to prioritize your learning, prioritize your progress, prioritize your communication because they are more important than uh, total perfection. Uh, also, do it step by step. step. Step by step, okay? You can't expect to achieve it all. Uh, two years is good. You've made massive progress in two years, but obviously you're not finished. Um, step by step, okay? And, and if you have that approach, uh, you'll see in six months, you'll have made progress. Over a year, you'll have made even more progress. Don't try and do it all in one mo- in one go. Do it step by step. Every successful interaction or bit of communication that you achieve, every sentence that you build up the confidence to produce, they're all things to celebrate and feel good about, okay? You need positive reinforcement and stimulation when you're learning. So any progress that you've made, feel happy about it. You've done well. Now choose to proceed with confidence. I think you can. And I think it is a choice and you can choose to do it. So good luck, Naz. And, uh, you know, I hope it's sorry my, my response has been so late. Who knows? Maybe now, after nearly a year since that comment, if you're still listening, I wonder if you can um, respond to what I just said. Um, how, how is it now? How is it now? How do you feel now? How's your speaking now? Have you develop more confidence are you still in the same position let us know leave us a comment on the episode on the page for this episode i'd like to know what your situation is now please naz and also everyone else i do invite all the other listeners to this to um, leave their comments and to respond to these things if you've got advice because i'm sure that um, many of you out there have got really good english and i'm sure that your You've got tons of good knowledge and experience and know-how that you can share with each other. What do you think? What about Naz's problem there? Um, do you think that? Uh, do, do you have any good advice to help him get out of it? That sort of mental block that you have, where um, you you don't want to open your mouth because you feel that your English isn't good enough, and yet that's exactly what's preventing your English from from progressing. Anyone got any tips about confidence? About um, raising your speaking skills and just generally negotiating the, the, the ups and downs of learning a language, especially when it becomes important, you know, when things like your job is on the line. So Naz, tell us, tell us what's going on. Uh, how do you, how, how are you doing now? And also other people leave your comments. Let's have another one. This is from Phil. Um, and it's again, last year in June from the discussion forum. And it goes like this. Dear teacher Luke, I just wanted to ask about the subjunctive mood. I'm still quite confused about it. And even my English teacher was not able to answer my questions. She's American from Chicago. 
Partly, I think it may be due to the incorrect use of the subjunctive that many native speakers do, and partly to the fact that it is actually a hard topic. I've read some grammar websites, and that just made me even more confused. I understand that there is a slight difference between British English and American English sometimes, too. Thank you. Cheers. I responded to Phil by saying, Phil, could you give me a more specific response? Because I felt like his question wasn't quite specific enough. Um, Rather than just me then having to explain the entire everything about the subjunctive mood, I was hoping he'd give me a slightly more specific response. And he did. He came back to me uh, and he said, "Okay, uh, all right. I know from Beyonce, uh, because I think Beyonce has a song which uh, includes a subjunctive usage. She said that I'm supposed to say if I were a boy, though I'm actually a boy. Well, anyway, uh, he conveyed the message at least. So I think Beyonce wrote a song that was called If I Were a Boy. All right. Now, on a website, I read that there are actually two tenses, present and past subjunctive, but only for the verb to be. There's a difference, be and were. For all the other verbs, there are present and past tenses that are actually the same, like work and work. Here is the website, and it's englishclub.com forward slash grammar forward slash verbs dash subjunctive dot htm and i'm going to leave that link active on the web page here i'm just uh, making a link out of it now um okay uh, do you think it's trustful and i really wonder if this part is really correct um and this is this is apart from that page okay everyone you're following this it's about the subjunctive mood in english and i'm going to explain it in a moment we're just still talking about phil's question here um so phil has copied and pasted some sentences from this english club website page which apparently is explaining the way that the subjunctive is used um sometimes so phil says uh, no okay here's the uh pasted extract from the website uh, which is a part of a grammar explanation for the subjunctive and it says notice that in these structures the subjunctive is always the same it doesn't matter whether the sentence is past or present so we're looking at a verb form that apparently is the same even if it's past or present look at these examples present the president requests that they stop the occupation past the president requested that they stop the occupation. So stop in both cases. Present. It is essential that she be present. And past. It was essential that she be present. Thank you, Teacher Luke. Whichever comment on this matter will receive my deepest gratitude. Okay, um, let's see. So I wrote in response to that uh, this. I said, I'll refer to a couple of web pages for this. So I've, I've had a look at a few other different web pages as a bit of research. And, uh, and I've come up with this one. So this one for a brief explanation of its form and use. Uh, this is again from, well, it's the same page that Phil mentioned from Englishclub.com. Um, so let me just try and let me just read some of this stuff about the subjunctive mood for you so for example um she insists that he come not she insists that he comes because normally it's he comes uh but she insists that he come so the subjective the subjunctive is a special relatively rare verb form in english that expresses something desired or imagined we use the subjunctive mainly when talking about events that are not certain to happen for example we use the subjunctive when talking 
talking about events that somebody wants to happen, uh, events that somebody anticipates will happen, and events that somebody imagines happening. So in this lesson, we look at uh, the base subjunctive and the were subjunctive, followed by a quiz to check your understanding. This is all on EnglishClub.com. I should just say uh, EnglishClub.com. I do believe it's a trusted website. I've looked at their content lots of times before, and it seems to be consistent with other things that I've seen in published material and so on. So, Phil, I do basically regard English Club to be uh, a trusted source of information. Um, uh, so I just gave you an overview of what that is. Let me let me tell you a bit more. Uh, the base subjunctive. Well, there's a lot of grammar here. There's a whole lot of grammar. Um, what, what what's the problem, Phil? What's the main problem that you're looking at? Um, you, I guess the main problem is what what is the subjunctive and and is this all true? Well, it is true. Basically, all the information that you're getting on English Club is true. Let me see if I can just give you some more um, uh, insight of, of some kind. Um, I've got another link here. This one has some lists of verbs and expressions which are followed by the subjunctive. So that that's quite useful. Let's have a look at some uh, verbs and expressions that are followed by the subjunctive. So we're talking about a verb form that doesn't have third person. It doesn't have a past form. It's a, just a sort of... Um, special form of the verb. Um, let's have a look. This is from EnglishPage.com um, and it says this, the subjunctive, um, so the form of the subjunctive, this is the simple form of the verb. The simple form of, uh, is the infinitive without the to. So for example, to eat, so it's just eat. Um, the simple form of the verb is to, verb to go is go. The subjunctive is only noticeable in certain forms and tenses. Okay. Now with the verb be, the subjunctive form is be. Okay. So it's not is or am or are or it's just be. Now the use. Why do we use the subjunctive? It's used to emphasise urgency or importance, and it is used after certain expressions. Okay. So here are some examples. I suggest that he study. So there it's used after suggest. I suggest that someone do something. It's essential that we... Is it essential that we be there? And Don recommended that you join the committee. So you can see suggest is to be essential and to recommend something. They can be followed by the subjunctive. Uh, notice the subjunctive is only noticeable in certain forms and tenses. In the examples below, the subjunctive is not noticeable in the you form of the verb, but it is noticeable in the he form of the verb. The point here is that after you, we normally use uh, like a, a simple form of a verb, you go. And so the subjunctive is really, un you can't see the difference. You can't see that it's the subjunctive because it's the same form. But then in other verbs, like you know, other words, like he or she, which, which is the third person, normally you add an S, so he goes. Uh, in the subjunctive, it's he go. So you can actually notice that uh, the subjunctive is being used there, which might make it a bit confusing because you think, well, sometimes I see it, sometimes I don't see it. Um, so here are some examples. You try to study often. This is the you form of try. It's important that you try to study often. So that's the subjunctive form of try. Looks exactly the same, sounds exactly the same. 
But here it is with he, he tries to study often, and it is important that he try to study often. So this is the subjunctive form of try, and it is notab noticeable here, because it's try, it's not is he try? It's not he tries. Um, why do we use it? When do we use it? Well, the subjunctive is used after certain verbs and certain expressions. Here's a list of verbs. Advise. I advise that you see the doctor. I advise that he see the doctor. For example, to ask, to command, to demand, to desire, to insist, to propose, to recommend, to request, to suggest, to urge. For example, Dr. Smith asked that Mark submit his research paper before the end of the month. You could also say Dr. Smith asked Mark to submit his research paper. Dr. Smith asked that Mark submit his research paper. Donna requested Frank come to the party. Which is a rather formal way of talking about a party. Donna requested Frank come to the party. Donna requested... Donna requested that Frank come to the party, or Donna requested Frank come to the party. The teacher insists that her students be on time. Hmm. Okay. I personally don't use it very much, I think. I honestly think I'm not using that very much. For me, it sounds a bit formal. It's certainly something that exists. Uh, it's certainly something good that you should be aware of. Something that I don't really use that much. Um, now, here are some other expressions that are followed by the subjunctive. Maybe, maybe these will be more common or more familiar to me in terms of like how I use uh, English. I mean, no, not everyone uses absolutely every single aspect of English, you know. That includes me as a teacher of English. The subjunctive is used after the following expressions. It's best. I think it's best that you go. I think it's best that you go now. I think it's best that you have a sit down. It's best that you have. It's be I think it's best that he... Uh, I think it's best that he has a little break. He has. No, it's he have, isn't it? It's best that he go home. Hmm. Hmm. To be completely honest with you, I think I would say it's best that he goes home. Yeah. Yeah. You, Phil, you did mention that, that some native speakers don't use the subjunctive that much. Uh, it's crucial that we, it's crucial that he finish the report on time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's desirable that he finish the report. It's essential that he finish the report. It's essential that he finishes the report, I would say. It's imperative that you finish the report. Hmm. Hmm. I, I, I mean, certainly with, if I were you, if I were you, that's, that's, um, the subjunctive, and that's common. If I were you, I have said on, in the past on the podcast, if I was you, if I was a zombie, I think I said in, in an episode. Um, and um, I mean, that's a little bit colloquial, but it's still acceptable. But if I were you is a common form of a, a subjunctive um, there, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's the past subjunctive. Okay, I'm not going to get too bogged down in the uh, subjunctive form, but um, Phil, basically, I think your question was, are these pages 
that I found about the subjunctive correct or not, and I would say that they are correct. It's a bit complex. It's it's the sort of uh, muddy grammatical stuff that uh, doesn't necessarily make for super entertaining uh, podcast listening. But I I would say that check out those links because they are good links and they will give you the information that you require. Um, let's see. Um, all right then. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, that is it because the, the next question in my list is quite a long one and it's worth spending a bit of time and I think it would be good to put it at the beginning of Q&A session number six, which uh, I'll have to do pretty soon. So that wraps it up for this podcast episode. Okay, but um, I think just at the at the end here, I can play around with uh, auto wrap again because I enjoyed that. That was fun. Now, I th- I think the key to making a fun uh, a funny rap on this app would be not to try and rap, but just to talk and let the app try and turn that into a rap. I know that I'm, everything I'm saying is rhyming now. That's not intentional. Um, so I'm just going to talk some stuff that's not particularly cool. And attempt to turn that into a rap track. So here we go. I'm just going to make this up off the top of my head as usual. Here we go. So you've listened to another episode of this award-winning podcast. And I hope that I've managed to answer lots of your questions. I'm now making a rap track, which is dramatic and exciting. Even though the things that I say are not cool. This is not what you'd normally get in a rap track. But that's just the way that I like to roll. (laughs) Uh, yes, I shouldn't try to be cool. It doesn't work. Anyway, uh, grammar, vocabulary, pronunciation, these are all aspects of English that we've studied in this episode of Luke's English Podcast. Okay, if you want to listen to it again, you can just rewind and go back to the beginning. Beginning. beginning, beginning. Okay, let's let the app uh, play around with that and we'll see what it comes up with. You're going to hear it in just a second. It's just thinking about it. So you've listened to another episode of this award-winning podcast, and I hope that I've managed to answer lots of your questions. I'm now making a rap track, which is dramatic and exciting, even though the things that I say are not cool. This is not what you normally get in a rap track, but that's just the way that I, I, I like to roll. <laughs> uh, yes, I, sh- I shouldn't try to be cool. It doesn't work. Anyway, uh, grammar, vocabulary, pronunciation, these are all aspects of English. That we studied, studied in this episode of Luke's English Podcast. Okay, if you want to listen to it again, you can just rewind and go back to the beginning. 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 You've listened to another episode of this award-winning podcast, and I hope that I've managed to answer lots of your questions. I'm now making a rap track, which is dramatic and exciting, even though the things that I say are not cool. This is not what you normally get in a rap track, but that's just the way that I, I, I like to roll. <laughs> okay, I quite like that. You know what? I'm going to do another one. And uh, in this one, I'm going to read out some comments, which uh, you can see on uh, teacherluke.co.uk. These are comments by listeners. And let's try this track. Yeah. Okay, I quite like that. Um, Okay, so I'm just going to go through the comments section and just read out random comments from uh, fans of Luke's English podcast. Okay, so here we go. These are comments from teacherloop.co.uk from Lepsters around the world. We start with Paolo 
from Italy. And this is what he said. Hello, I'm Paolo from Italy. It is amazing. It's amazing podcast. Well, wonderful. Thanks a lot. It's the first time that I improved seriously my English. English, English, English. Anonymous said on the 27th of May, I like to think of English as my second language instead of a foreign language. Thanks to the internet, probably 85% of the material for education, entertainment, etc. is in English now. Agrec on the 26th of May said the phrasal verb podcast is one of the most valuable English resources on the net 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 and my friends we are very happy you returned to it very very important and appreciable for all people learning English Carlos 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 on the 26th of May said hello Luke I'm new I've been listening to your podcast for only a couple of weeks I was astonished with the clarity of your vocabulary and your pronunciation I really enjoy the podcast. I don't have much free time. Free time. I have two jobs and two little daughters, so I have to wait until 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. Enable to enable to. That's the end. Okay. That was a bit sort of uh, random at the end there. I had to stop it because I couldn't keep talking for long because uh, then I'd end up making like the most ridiculously long rap track ever and no one's going to buy it. You know, I'm not going to make... Uh, not... Oh, here it is. Okay. From Lepsus around the world. We start with Paolo from Italy. And this is what he said. Paolo, Paolo from Italy. It is it is amazing. It's an amazing podcast. Well, well, wonderful. Thanks a lot. It's the first time that I improved seriously my English. English, English, English. Anonymous said on the 27th of May, I like to think of English as my second language instead of a foreign language. Thanks to the internet, probably 85% of the material for edu- edu- education, entertainment, etc. is in English. Now, Agrec on the 26th of May said, the phrasal verb podcast is one of the most valuable in English resources on the net network net network and my friends, we are very happy you return turn to it. Very, very important. And we appreciable for all people learning English. Carlos, Carlos, Carlos on the 26th of May said, Hello Luke, I'm new. I've been listening to your podcast for already a couple of weeks. I was astonished with the clarity of your, your vocabulary and your pronunciation. Okay, that's the end of this episode of Luke's English Podcast. Thanks very much for listening. Speak to you again soon, but for now it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.